Hopefully this will be a blessing to you. Here's what it says in St. Luke. If you have your Bibles, just turn for me with turn with me for a few minutes to St. Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read a couple things to you and then I'll try to describe it to the glory of the Lord that he might be glorified and that his word and his people might be edified in us this morning. So here's what it says in Luke 24. I'm reading from the English Standard Version and the King James Version this morning. And here's what it says. <laughs> here's what it says. I might add I'm going to be reading from the NASB as well. I'm going to be using uh, some different translations. to try to make this really plain and really clear because I think it's so important. Amen? Here's what it says. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Are you all with me? Verse 3. This is really exciting stuff. I, I know I'm really pumped about this message because I thought I knew everything there was to know about the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, not from a scholarly standpoint, not from like, you know, encyclopedic information on it. But I thought I had preached. You know, I've been preaching for a ton of years and I've been preaching here since 1992. I've been co-pastoring with Pastor Meek since 1998. So I just thought, like, you know, I've, I've preached every resurrection day virtually for a couple decades. And I've, I've researched the background, studied the day Jesus died, the day Jesus rose. So many volumes of books on the resurrection and on the crucifixion. There's just scientific books on the type of bones that were involved and the incisions, the type of blood mixed with water the ratios of blood and water, the plasma. I mean, there's books written on every, virtually every aspect of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so it should be, since this is primary, primarily functional and fundamental to our faith. This is the groundbreaking, the keystone of our faith. This is the cornerstone of our faith. So why wouldn't there be volumes, libraries dedicated to this since Christianity is founded on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to rise from the dead. So he rose from the dead first as an example. Amen. And you know, when I said this a little bit facetiously, but I was serious Friday when I said, I feel like the Lord's resurrection, when he got up and about 500 or so souls, I think Rod taught on this, uh, Rod or Reg on Friday night, that other souls got up on, on the on resurrection day. And I think the Lord just kind of like teased us with a little sample. Here's a little trailer. Here's a preview of what's going to happen on resurrection day for everybody. <laughs> Folks are going to just start getting up. And, uh, and, and moving around and coming out of the graves. And this wasn't the first time, by the way, it wasn't the first time the Lord had done this. There was a resurrection in the Old Testament. There was a resurrection with Elijah, and there was a resurrection with Elisha. By the way, the one with Elisha, the, the person that was resurrected, the people that were, the person that was responsible wasn't even involved in the resurrection. Elisha with an H, with an S-H, was already dead. And this guy fell into a shallow grave that had Elijah's bones and the guy popped back up to life. The Bible calls it a resurrection. It wasn't like the guy fainted or had a swoon or had a temporary unconsciousness or went into a coma. He was dead, according to the scripture, D, a dead on arrival, DOA, and the Lord brought him back to life through the bones of Elisha. So, so God can resurrect people in all kinds of ways. I don't want you to ever get into a situation where you put God in a box and think that God can only do stuff the way we can think. 
like God has to be subjected to our logic or restricted to our mindset or our scientific ability to, to, to use laws of the universe to define God. God is so much bigger than the laws of the universe. God is so much bigger than the cosmic galaxies. God is so much bigger than our simple rules and regulations. He exceeds, he transcends that. Amen? Amen. So I'm just, I'm just pumped about the fact that this particular aspect of the resurrection is something that I don't know that I've thought about before, so I was really kind of like geeked about prepping for this because this was something that I thought, wow, I, I I, I should pay more attention to this particular aspect. And here's the aspect that I'm talking about. In Luke 24, I'm going down to verse 4 now. It says, while they were perplexed about this, that was perplexed about not finding the body of Jesus in the grave. It says they were perplexed about, perplexed about this. Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. These are two angels, by the way. By the way, you know what? We didn't talk about this a whole lot last Sunday. But in our Sunday school lesson, we learned about angels and demons. And now, I mean, not from the author's book, not from, you know, the guy that wrote, not that angels and demons, the real angels and demons. And, you know, we can, I, by the way, we can entertain angels unaware, the Bible says. There's a possibility that we've encountered angels and didn't even know it. You never know who you're in, 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 uh, involved with. You never know who you're in, the Lord will bring into your path. So, so the, the beautiful thing about it is, even though there, there's no particular scripture proof, scriptural proof for quote-unquote guardian angels, God does use angels. The word means messenger. God does use messengers, angels, for protection, for deliverance, for help, for strength, for any reason he wants. They are ministering spirits that God puts out there in the universe that can take on the form of a man, a woman, a human, or angelic form. We don't know, but God uses them to his glory and for our help. Amen? So these angels, he sent these two angels to tell these beautiful women that, well, I'm going to tell you what he's going to tell them. In verse 5, it says, And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, and these are angels in the form of men. Watch this. This is so beautiful. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. When the Son of Man must be delivered, this is verse 7, into the hands of the sinful men and be crucified on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. Let me hear you say remembered his words. I, I, think, that's, I think that's problem number one with believers. We forget what the Bible says. We forget the Lord's words. That's, that's our issue. It's not that it's too complicated. It's not that it's too strange or too uh, theological or too uh, heavy in terms of linguistics and language skills. We forget it because we don't repeat it. We don't recite it. We don't review it. We don't keep it going in our minds, so we forget it. And these beautiful ladies, by the way, this is just so cool. I just, I, I praise God for the ladies because I, I said in my notes, I said, make sure you say, where were the men? And I'm going to say, where were the men? So I, I looked at, I looked at, listen, I looked at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I found this. Mary Magdalene, 
By the way, some people think Magdalene or Magdalene was her last name. That wasn't her last name. It was probably Mary of Magdala, where she was from, a city near Jerusalem, Magdala. And you'll find that in Luke 8, chapter 2, Luke, Luke chapter 8, verse 2. But there was these women were at the, at the tomb of Jesus, Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. By the way, that's also the wife of Clepas. There was also Salome, who's the mother of James and John. That's the wife of Zebedee. Those were the sons of thunder. And there was a lady named Joanna there, according to Luke 24:10. But watch this. There were also other devoted women there, other devout women. So all these ladies, listen, all these ladies got together and said, you know what? We're going to do Mary, the mother of Jesus, a solid. We are going to go because there wasn't time to prepare Jesus' body for, for there wasn't time to prepare Jesus' body for, um, um, Sister Gloria, can you do a mute on everybody for me, please? A massive mute. Can you, just let me know if you can, I'll do it. So there was, there was. John chapter 11, Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus who was ministering in the other city. Say, hey, please come quickly. My brother is sick, sick as unto death. Well, the Bible says that Jesus tarried. I believe he tarried for four days. And when he came to see Lazarus, Martha said, oh, you can't go in there now. The body stinketh by now. It's, it's too late. Decay has set in. Well, that's part of that four-day belief that the body becomes so disconfigured and so decomposed that the spirit doesn't recognize and therefore it doesn't leave him. Well, let me just tell you something, everybody. When, when, you're, when, the, when you die, when you die physically, the Bible says that at that point, the spirit immediately leaves the body. It's going to one or two places right then and there. The body is just a shell. It's a casing. It's immaterial. It doesn't even come into play again until resurrection day when the Lord returns. But as far as the body is concerned, it's a non-entity. What's important is what's inside. That's why the Bible talks about salvation from the inside and out. First, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When we are saved, behold, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have what? Become new, Right? So I, when I look at this, I, I look at this concept that they wanted to hurry up and take care of the Lord's body because of this Jewish tradition. But the fact of the matter is, is I give these ladies mad props for showing up to minister to Jesus. They wanted to give him a dignified, sophisticated burial. 
His body hadn't been cleaned and hadn't been prepared, so they were coming there to prepare the body of Jesus. So before we start criticizing them, which I'm going to do here in a minute, let me just give them props <laughs> and give them compliments, for at least they showed up. They came to prepare the body of Jesus, to clean the blood, the sweat, the dirt from the cross. Rod did a beautiful job, uh, and, and Reg, too, both of them describing the crucifixion and death of Jesus on Friday night. But listen, let me just say this. As good as their heart is, and as great as their motives were, they missed the most important thing. They missed the fact that Jesus said, I ain't going to be there. <laughs> he probably didn't say it like that. I ain't going to be there. He probably, he probably said, I'm getting up. I am getting up on the third day. And so the, so, so the angels essentially made this profound statement. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Which is code for just saying, why are you here? What living people hangs out in a cemetery? People that are alive, unless you work there. You usually don't go to a cemetery unless you're going to a bury someone in interment. So he said, why are you seeking the living? Why are you seeking a man that is alive and well and walking around? Why are you looking for him in a cemetery? Wrong location. So I wrote in my notes, wrong, they were looking for the wrong thing and they were looking in the wrong place. They were looking for a dead man to clean up his body, but he said, I'm not going to be dead. I'm going to be alive. And they were looking for a, a, an alive man in a cemetery. So they were wrong on both accounts. And I thought, you know what, Will? There is a message here. So many of us are looking for the Lord and looking for faith and looking for salvation and looking for redemption and looking for elevation and looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. We're looking the wrong way and we're looking in the wrong place. So many of us misunderstand what God really wants. He doesn't want all the little trappings that we think about. What he wants is us. He wants our time, our attention. The, if the criticism that I would have of these ladies, if I were to have one, was simply that when Jesus was alive, they did not listen. One of three things happened. A major lapse. My, by the way, not just these beautiful women that showed up. By the way, the Jews have a, a custom that... When you're preparing a body, women can prepare the body of a man or a woman after they've deceased because they do this sort of mummification thing. Not like the Egyptians, but just a mild version of that. Remember when Lazarus was dead and the Lord said, Lazarus, come forth. And he was wrapped up and he, I'm imagining he just kind of like hopped out. <laughs> you know, I mean, he needed somebody to unwrap him. You know, he was wrapped. You know, they, they, would, they would put these guys in these caves, these sepulchers that had shelves in them, and they would just lay the body wrapped, clean, and anointed in oil and spices in these shelves inside a sepulcher, inside of these, uh, these caves, essentially, that were carved out, and they used them as grave sites. Sometimes it was underground, but most of the times it was above ground. But listen to this. Here's what's interesting, is that these ladies had went to prepare his body, the Lord wasn't there, but here's what I like about this. 
The Bible says that they didn't listen to Jesus because Jesus had told them, I'm not going to be there. So one of three things happened. A, they never heard him, which is really hard to believe because I have like, I don't know, 30 some passages, which I won't bore you with, where Jesus predicted his, where the, where the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was predicted in the Old Testament scriptures which they read, that's the Bible that Jesus used, that's the Bible that Paul used, that's the Bible that the apostle used was the Old Testament. And also I have just tons of references where Jesus prophesied his own resurrection. So it would be impossible for them to use the excuse that we did not hear you say that. So then the second thing that could have happened is that they heard him, but they didn't believe him. Okay, we heard you say that you're getting up on the third day. We heard that and we thought that you were just hallucinating or you were just speaking metaphorically or you were just speaking in, you know, in hyperbole or something. We, we just thought, okay, that's just Jesus going off on one of his tangents. Like y'all probably think Pastor Will does, goes off on one of his tangents. Oh, let him just sprout on because, you know, he knows what he's talking about. We don't. No, but no, Jesus was serious. I'm getting up on the third day. So either they didn't hear him, false, they didn't believe him, false, because they should have believed because they were following him, which is, which is the very definition of discipleship, right? John 8, 31 says, you're my disciples indeed if you continue in my word. They continued right on. They were there on burial day. Then the other reason must be that they didn't remember they listened, they believed, but they didn't remember. So listen, being saved, there's more to being saved than just showing up at church. There's more to being saved than just singing songs, than just going through the motions. What the Lord really wants us to hear this morning, I believe, is that there is a greater calling on our lives than not just a matter of hearing, not just a matter of believing, but there's also a matter of remembering to the point that we do it. You know, I would, I, I would just, oh boy, I would just give all kind of money to have a church full of people like these ladies. That's why I said mad props to them. They showed up, they were faithful, they were devout, they were caring, they were passionate. They were consistent. They were helpful. They had the heart of a servant. You can't say anything better about these ladies. What pastor, what friend wouldn't want a, a, a thousand people like these ladies, right? Amazingly. And that's what I put in my notes. Where were the men? Where were the disciples? Where was Peter? Big mouth Peter. Where was Peter? Where was Jesus' own half-brother James? I'm just blown away. Talk is cheap. God is looking for service. These ladies may have been wrong in terms of where they were and what they were looking for, but great kudos to them for A, being there. Because as a result of being there, <laughs> these ladies were the first ladies on planet Earth to find out that Jesus got up from the grave. They found out before Peter, <laughs> they
They found out before James. They found out before even my beloved John, who was the disciple the Lord loves, the Bible says. They found out before Bartholomew, before Philip, before Andrew. Because they came to serve. Sometimes, even, even if you don't have all the truth, even if you don't have all the revelation, even if you don't understand the big picture, sometimes just having the right heart, just having a spirit to serve, a spirit to give, a spirit to help, a spirit to contribute, a spirit to participate, God just honors that. At least you're trying, and God can work with that. And as a result, he revealed to these ladies what I'm really doing here. I'm getting up. I'm already up, matter of fact, and I'm going to go and tell my disciples that I've risen and I have work for them to do, and I want to meet up with them. Wow. Yeah, they was wrong. They were wrong being there for the wrong reasons at the wrong time in the wrong place to do the wrong thing. But God took that misdirection. He took that misunderstanding. He took that forgetfulness. He took that pushing aside of what he had said, and he used it to his glory. Okay, I know I can't go on all day because y'all trying to get ready for dinner and y'all trying to get ready for whatever it is you're going to do. But I pray, I didn't even come up with a Monday morning moment. I didn't even do, uh, I didn't even do a Be a Berean this week. I certainly didn't do a one word rap because I just wanted all of your focus to be on why are we seeking the living among the dead. Why are we looking for the right things in the wrong places? And sometimes why are we even looking for the wrong things, period? What a great passage. I'm gonna wrap it up though. There's more I could say, but I'm gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually extend an altar call, which I had planned to do at the very beginning of the sermon. I just wanted to just blow you guys away and just say, hey, if you want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do it right now. Don't wait until the sermon is over. You can do it right now. So Paul gave the, the greatest altar call in history. In 1 Corinthians 15, he said, now, I, this is verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 15, the New American Standard. I'm going to read from the KJV too, uh, Rosie. Uh, it says, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive. And also where you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. By the way, let me just say this before I read this last thing and I'll sit down. Listen, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a hoax, are you all with me? If the resurrection of Jesus Christ was phony, if it was staged, if he was really in a swoon state or in a coma, if this was fabricated or orchestrated by any means possible, then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that our faith is in vain. It says we have believed in vain and our faith is in vain. That's why it doesn't get any more important than the resurrection of Jesus. 
That's why this season, what we call the quote-unquote Easter season, that's why this is so critical that we remember this. It's the keystone. It's why we're here. It's why you're saved. That Jesus got up. Everything in our life should be pointing toward getting up one day. Everything we do should be resurrection-centric. Everything we do should be pointed toward life after death. Because this is not, that we just sang it, this is not how the story ends. This is not how our story ends either. Just like Jesus got up in three days, one day we're going to get up. Amen? According to 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, one day we're getting up. Boy, I'm excited about this. I'm excited because I, you know what? I'm excited because I believe it. And I'm trying to be unlike those beautiful ladies. I'm trying not to forget it. So every Sunday, I have to tell you guys one reason you should be excited about the Lord's return. One reason you should be excited about resurrection, not just on Easter Sunday, not just on Resurrection Sunday, but we should be excited about resurrection every day. Every day we live. Every day we live. We are physically dying. Every, every day we're getting a day older, a day weaker. But baby, let me tell you something. Every day, spiritually, we are just growing up. We are just growing up. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, from glory to glory to glory, we're being transformed into his image. I'm like, Rick, I'm trying not to start crying. Oh, this Because this is just so, this is such a refreshing blessing for us. Just knowing what God has in store for us, that the resurrection wasn't limited to 2,000 years ago, that this is our reward, this is our game plan, this is why we're here, this is why our salvation exists, because of his resurrection and subsequently our resurrection. I'm trying to hold it together just for a few more minutes so I can end. So I'm, I'm extending an altar call right now because here's what Paul said. First, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. I looked at that phrase, first importance. I want to give you all the breakdown. Let me just say what it means. It means that there is nothing of greater value. There is nothing of greater knowledge. There is nothing of more importance that doesn't hinge on what Jesus is saying. He is saying that of first importance means that this message supersedes and transcends all other information and instructions that are in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anything else that's even in God's word, anything else that's in the Bible, anything else that's in the Bible, this message transcends that. He says, for I delivered unto you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, according to the scriptures. And that he raised, he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish. Here it is, wait for it, 
but have everlasting life. It's tough to discuss the gospel without discussing eternity. It's tough to discuss salvation without discussing the object of salvation because the object of our salvation, salvation is resurrection. The object of our salvation is eternal life. The object of our salvation is living life beyond death. Lord, we thank you for this message this morning. And Lord, hopefully there's a heart here that heard the message that will want to come forward, whether during the service or after the service, and accept you. Lord, may this message be revolutionizing, revolutionary, and revolutionizing to a person inside. May it, may it cause them to reevaluate where their walk is. If they're a believer, Lord, may they be challenged by this, perhaps even convicted. If they're an unbeliever, Lord, may they be pricked in their hearts as it was on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and come and say, what must I do to be saved, as the Philippian jailer said, Lord. Whatever the case, Lord, we just ask you for conviction, for believers to get better, for unbelievers to get saved. May you move in our hearts, Lord, that we, might leave, we not leave out of here, Lord, on the fence, that we not leave out of here, Lord, in a quandary, with duplicity in our hearts and division, but Lord, that we are succinct and that we are committed and that we know what we need to do and that we accept you, Lord, and accept your words in doing so. And unlike the ladies, Lord, may we not forget what you've said. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. God bless you, God bless you. Hallelujah.